Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Remembers to kill a mockingbird. Hmm? The movie, the book, a classic, and that great man played by Gregory Peck. What was his name? Atticus. Atticus Finch. I don't remember the name of the defendant, but Gregory Peck, the Atticus Finch character, was a truly great man, and he brought so much talent into that courtroom and so much integrity. And I thought. All lawyers must be like this. When I was a kid, when I was eight years old, it just seemed so magnificent—a system of laws. We don't have that, <laughs> and the legal profession—I was so naive. You realize that President Trump has had a very hard time getting legal representation. The big law firms, the biggest, the best in the country—they've turned their back. On representing President Trump. Now, President Trump. I mean, I'm sure he can be a handful when it comes to uh, a, cl a client, right? Having a client. But former President of the United States. I mean, and what's happening right now is such an affront to our Constitution, to us, to his millions of supporters. I think to millions of people who did never and would never vote for him, to the country. Yet we don't have a, a system on the up and up. No, I mean, how can anyone pretend that this is acceptable? The court date for the Atlanta case is what ten days before Super Tuesday, just before Super Tuesday. It's ludicrous. The co-defendants, Mark Meadows, they're trying to say this eminently reasonable and good man committed the crime right here. What I'm hopeful for is—is is there some way that we can, we can find uh, some kind of an agreement to, to uh, to look at this a little bit more fully? Uh, you know, the president mentioned Fulton County, but in some of these areas where there seems to be uh, a difference uh, of where the facts uh, seem to lead, and so, Mr. Secretary, I was uh, hopeful that. You know, in a spirit of uh, cooperation and compromises, there there's something that uh, we can at least have a discussion to look at some of these allegations uh, to uh, to find a, a path forward that's less litigious. Oh my God! Sounds like a mass murderer. 
It's the most reasonable thing ever. Local officials in Georgia said, no, no. Well, the Constitution allows, I believe, for disputes between the federal government and state and local officials. It happens all of the time. Mark Meadows is looking for an extension. He'd like to uh, put things off until Monday. The judge has said no because the criminality, the alleged criminality, is just that severe. The indictment makes it very clear that the activity he was engaged in, participating in phone calls, uh, contacting state officials in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, uh, making uh, attempts to reach those officials on behalf of Donald Trump, these weren't innocuous acts by your uh, normal chief of staff. These were acts in the furtherance of this criminal enterprise, which is laid out in great detail in this 98-page indictment. Serious lawyers know that that 98-page indictment is a joke, but serious lawyers, most of them are scared. You know, there are only a handful defending Donald Trump on television and in real life because, like we said, they're scared of losing clients. They have so toxified MAGA, right? None of these big law firms can be hanging around or be seen associating with MAGA, and these great men have to turn themselves in. John Eastman... John Eastman's one of the greatest law professors in the country. He's holding his head high. He maintains his opinion that the election is stolen. And you know what? It's America. You're allowed to say that if that is your belief. Another man is being put through the ringer, and it shouldn't be happening to him. Jeffrey Clark. He was a mid-level official at the Justice Department. Donald Trump wanted to make him acting attorney general. You know what? <laughs> he had the authority to do that. The swamp said, we're going to quit. All of us will quit if you do that. Donald Trump was elected president. All of those other people, they weren't elected to anything. This poor man. You know, he, you remember, they raided his home. There he is in his underwear in the driveway uh, as cops searched his house. Why? <laughs> because he wrote a letter. And he wanted to serve President Trump. Look at what they said in the January 6th commission about Jeffrey Clark, who again was indicted in um, Georgia. Uh, Clark's contact with President Trump violated both Justice Department and White House policies designed to prevent political pressure on the department. President Trump can talk to anybody he wants in the federal government when he was president. Regulations? What are you talking about? This man had every right, and I think he actually had a duty to talk to President Trump about these matters. He suspected that there was a big problem with the election. Next, please. January 6th, this is President Trump and his team then communicated further with Clark and offered him the job of acting attorney general. That's when all hell breaks loose. Everybody threatens some guy named Donahue, not elected to anything, added that they would not be the only ones to resign. You should understand that your entire department leadership will resign if you make this move that you are absolutely entitled to make. You're the president, but we're going to resign. The deep state is going to resign on you. And nobody has been able to explain if what happened on January 6th, as far as the objections went, right, if that was a problem, then why isn't what happened in 2017 a problem on January 6th? The Democrats did this. The objection is in writing, signed by a member of the House of Representatives, but uh, not yet by a member of the United States. In Senate. that case, the objection cannot be entertained. Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained. Mr. President, even as people waited hours in no Georgia... Debate, and there is no debate. 
And if there's not signed by a senator, the objection cannot be entertained. People are horrified by the overwhelming evidence Section of 18, Russian interference Title in our elections. The United States Code prohibits debate in the joint session. Mr. President, even with the malfunction no of 87 voting machines... So the big problem, their claims of election fraud, well, they were incredible. And not one U.S. senator would join the fight. You needed the U.S. senator on, on January 6th. They had senators and they had members of Congress, and that's what you needed to wage the objections. And a lot of us think that January 6th actually happened. The people got in there not to stop the counting, but to stop the objections. That's what I think. Take a look at this. Remember that last week? The most inappropriate thing that it could ever be uttered by a president about a natural disaster in his own country. No comment. He was probably better off with the no comment than what happened in Maui yesterday. This bizarre tale that he has told time and time again, it makes no sense. It's thoroughly untrue and inappropriate. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday, and lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. So much of that stuff uh, is provably false. Uh, good thing the whole house didn't go up in smoke. I mean, after all, the classified documents would have been destroyed, right? Right next to his Corvette. I love it when regular people get it more than a president of the United States. You notice those uh, guitar players in the background? They're like looking at each other and they're looking at him like, what the hell is going on right now? It was so bizarre. I really felt for them. Not the first time. Regular people understand the president doesn't. Remember when he met with the troops? He got down with the troops and had some pizza and woofed it down before they got any. The soldiers were aghast. Like, who is this guy? Why is he eating like that? Anyway, look, there are more important issues than this, of course. He doesn't get the stuff that's easy, and he doesn't get the stuff that's hard. Our border. We have no border. We have no border. And did you see this report? Uh, it's an 800% increase of uh, illegal Chinese migrants coming through Mexico. Gordon Chang thinks that's the first wave of saboteurs possibly here to wage war. It's serious. Two years ago, Afghanistan, it was tough, but Joe blew it entirely, entirely. Two years ago, we lost Afghanistan. The Taliban is now in charge. Nobody talks about it. And Joe is insistent on supporting transgender youth, which in his sick mind means supporting drag queen story time hour. People should be arrested for supporting drag time story hour. I'm sorry. What do you think? Have you heard this lately? 
A vote for Republicans is a vote to destroy democracy. The MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party. Uh, the, that extreme, this is an extreme threat to our democracy. Calling Trump and some of his supporters threats to democracy. There is no doubt that this president is a danger to our democracy and to the well-being of the American people. There's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. That rhetoric, that's a real threat to this country. Look, I'm MAGA. I'm for strong borders, not losing foreign wars, and keeping drag queens out of the schools, and not letting 10-year-olds take puberty blockers without their parents knowing. Is that all that crazy? Is it really? It's not. They're the crazy ones. I mean, I, I know that sounds a little bit simplistic, like they're wrong, we're right, but they're wrong, we're right. If you want proof of that, who remembers their reaction to those Covenant school kids? Remember that? To that confrontation igniting outrage, teenagers wearing Make America Great Again hats face to face with a Native American protester, a Vietnam War veteran. The Vietnam vet. He and others were harassed and taunted by students from Covington Catholic High School. There was a point at which the kids used a tomahawk chop, uh, which was considered a mocking gesture during that time. No, it wasn't. They were all lying or they were just lazy and just went along with a sick, stupid narrative that kids with MAGA hats must be wrong. The video, if they bothered to look at it, showed a totally different story. They were innocent. And they were totally restored, by the way. I think, I think you're looking at a couple of billionaire, billionaires in the midst. They won so much money from those networks, and good for them. Hey, tomorrow night is the big debate over on Fox News, and Fox is insisting that Trump better show up. I mean, I'm sure they have his best interests in mind, right? The, the indication is former President Trump will not be here, and the... Takeaway I have from that is this is a, a huge political yeah. miscalculation, I would say, for him. Um, for two reasons. You give others the opportunity to shine. Uh, you give others two hours to throw lobs at you. And I, I know former President Trump can dance across that debate stage, can defend himself, but you're not there to do it yourself. You're counting yeah. on maybe others Fair point. to step in. So glad President Trump didn't listen to Fox News or Kaylee McEnany. Kaylee used to work for Ted Cruz. <laughs> she was great at that podium, but now her checks are signed by Fox. And Fox, everybody knows, is trying to trip up Trump. Uh, Brett Baer trying to trip up Trump. They have their orders, and it would really be a political miscalculation, beyond miscalculation, uh, just malpractice for Donald Trump to go to a debate when he has just everything to lose and nothing to gain. Look at these polls. It's almost impossible for him to go up, right? He could only come down, so it's not worth it. I would truth social away while I watch it. If I were him, have fun and see what happens. He's going to be the star of the debate, even though he's not there. They're going to be playing sound bites and video clips and all that stuff. So uh, I think he knows what he's doing. Kaylee, Brett, we'll be right back. All right, Joe Biden telling that weird and highly inaccurate story about the fire in his house in Wilmington 20 years ago. Uh, he, he's exaggerating that fire and trying to impress people who just went through an apocalypse. 
It is actually vintage Joe Biden. He does this all the time. Some people are saying it's a result of brain decay. No, uh, this, is, this is who he is. Take a look. When I left the vice presidency, I had a chance to do a number of things, but I took a professorship at the University of Pennsylvania. I was appointed to the academy in 1965. I remember spending time at the, you know, uh, go, going to uh, the, uh, you know, the Tree of Life synagogues. I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. My grandfather, Finney Grimscamp, would really be proud of me right now. No, I'm not joking, he would. By the way, he's an All-American football player, John, in Santa Clara. This is what got me involved in civil rights as a kid when I was 26 years old. So we figured it out. Average 222 days a year, 36 years. Hey, you think I'm kidding, man? <laughs> Seems like yesterday, the first time I got arrested anyway. Not true. We could also say they're lies. Sometimes there's a kernel of truth in these stories, but it's somebody else's truth, somebody else's story that he adopts for his own. Our next guest has very unique insight into Joe Biden. He's actually known him for over 50 years. Bill Stevenson, successful Delaware businessman, was actually married to Jill Biden for several years uh, in the late 60s and early 1970s before Joe Biden made his move. Anyway, Bill Stevenson, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you, sir? Great. Thank you for inviting me back. <laughs> You know, I thought we would, uh, because I've been hearing all this stuff about Joe. Uh, he's losing it. It's getting worse and getting worse. To me, this is Joe Biden, you know, from way back when. Am I wrong? Greg, you're exactly right. When I watch these videos, it just reminds me of a story that he actually stole from me before he was even elected to the Senate. We're going back to the, like, the late summer uh, fall of 1972, the election was in November, and I bring him into my bar, the Stone Balloon, for a fundraiser. And earlier upstairs in the band room, he's talking to me, and he says, oh, I hear you played a little football at a exclusive prep school. And I said, yeah, I was blessed to go to Wyoming Seminary up in Kingston, Pennsylvania, and I had an amazing coach. He goes, ah, oh, then you played here in Delaware for a little bit. I said, yeah, Greg. I, uh, Joe, I said, I had to drop out of school because my family needed a little money back then. And uh, I started working. And I started a successful business. Then <laughs> I tell him a story. I said, I was blessed with an amazing coach, Marv Antinus at Wyoming Seminary. And I said, my mom was a big supporter. She traveled to the games. I lived 100 miles from home. The games were always one or 200 miles from home for her. And my father and she came to the games. And one day, my mother comes walking out of the ladies' room, and she walks up to my coach and I, walking off the field. We had just lost our first and only game of the season. And so we were, like, you know, down in the dumps. And my mother walks up with her energy, and she says, Coach Antinas, I was just looking at the schedule in the ladies' room, and we were supposed to play Hill away. Are we playing them at home next week? The ladies' room 
schedule says we were supposed to stay, you know, play at home. And uh, he looked at my mother and he says, with much respect, Mrs. Stevenson, that's exactly where our schedule belongs, in the ladies' room. <laughs> All right, so you, you tell this story to Joe Biden. You told it to him, right? Oh, yeah, up in the, you know, 20 minutes before we're supposed to walk downstairs, uh, I wanted him to meet my 75 employees first. They were all there. All right. Uh, and it's a fundraiser. That, a thousand people would have been in the bar. It's a fundraiser for his first Senate race. And he takes the microphone. What happens next? Uh, it was actually his second fundraiser for his Senate race. I give him the microphone. He's walking around and uh, he's saying hi to everybody. It wasn't a microphone that came from the stage. He actually had a little like speaker thing so they could hear him talk to 10, 12 people at a time. He walks up to the football players and they're all standing in the back. The doormen were all as big as me, 6'4", 250 pounds. And he says, guys, I see you're on the football team and you're working for Bill now part-time. And they all said, yeah. He goes, let me tell you a little story about my mother. He tells the exact same story that I just told him 20 minutes before. So this hasn't been going on recently. This has been going on for over 50 years, Greg. He tells the exact same story. I just figured this is politics. I figured we would walk away and Joe would say something like, yeah, Bill, I appreciate that story. Sorry, I stole it. This is before I, I knew of the plagiarism or, the, you know, what he was going through in Syracuse. I knew none of that about him. But he literally stole my uh, story in 1972. I always cherished it as my mother's story. And I thought he was going to say, yeah, 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 you know, thank you. But he turns around and goes, my mother is a real pisser. I can't wait till you meet her. She's crazy like that. And I'm thinking I should have known better back then, Greg. So he already like he almost he had he told your story. He adopted it as his own in his own head. He's telling you, oh, she's crazy like that. She would confront the coach in his mind. It's his story at this point. In his mind, he told it exactly. My mother was just cheerful, a wonderful person. And my coach was a wonderful person. But to have this happen right in front of me. I've always cherished it as a story I will always remember of my mother, how wonderful she was. And literally, I never thought about it later because that was 1968 at my prep school. And uh, I stole the whole story, 100%. I should have known better. Uh, Unfortunately, I had another fundraiser for him two months later, right before the election. Right. So you you stayed friendly. You chalked it up. Well, that's politics. Um... And we know what happened. Joe later married your then-wife, Jill Biden. Let me ask you this. Um, you, you and Jill got a divorce, correct? Yes. And was it, would you say it was amicable? Uh, it turned drastic right at the last minute. Uh, I was offering her uh, quite a bit of money, close to a million dollars over the whole period of the payments. He changed from one of the biggest changed her lawyers from one of the biggest uh, set of lawyers in Wilmington. Uh, We did not want to go to court against them. He hired his former law partner, Melvin Monzak, and uh, it was one of the most vicious divorce trials that uh, ever happened in Delaware. It's historic. And she got up there on the stand and accused me of so many horrible things. 
I felt that we could have been friends. I don't blame her. You know how I feel about her. If anybody watched the other interview, I said I care about her. I still do care about her. This wasn't her. She was coached to try and destroy me. So this is when the destruction starts. The problem is the divorce was bitter. That was in 1976. I got through that. But then the Biden crime family continued to come after me in every little way they could. As you know, we talked about this briefly. I was charged with making a false statement on a BMW for $8,000. It was the process that I just saw on TV the other day that does the damage. No bank would talk to me after that. He wanted to destroy me. He wanted to get me out of the picture uh, once and for all. But guess what? It backfired. And now, 50 years later, I'm sure he is uh, very frustrated with what's going on in my life. And, uh, you know, it started back in 1972, Greg. Well, it's all coming out. And I think you are going to be, well, you don't need to be restored, but some things that happened to you, I think, are all going to be cleaned up. And your book, we expect it to come out in the fall. We'll be looking for it. Uh, what's the title at this point? The Bidens, the early years. Okay. Bill Stevenson, <laughs> thank you very much. We'll have you back Great, soon. Thank you very much. You and bet. Thank you for letting me tell my story. Appreciate it, sir, very much. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. There's breaking news we're following right now. A Texas woman has been charged with threatening in a voicemail to kill the federal judge overseeing the criminal case against former President Donald Trump. There are threats. There are threats that come to Fonnie Willis. The threats have been made against Fulton County Sheriff's Office employees and their homes for their role on Thursday. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's no big deal, right? They want to take all of MAGA down, trying to say that we want these people hurt. We don't, not in any way. I pray for their safety. Seriously, no one should receive threats. Unfortunately, it happens in America. 300 million people, uh, let's say 1% are nuts. That's 3 million people, right? Plus or minus. <laughs> um, you know, if you want to feel threatened in America, and nobody does, Try wearing a MAGA hat in a blue city. See what happens. <laughs> this is what can happen. Seriously, I would like to try it, but I can't because this could happen to me in roughly, I would say, 90 seconds. I'd give myself 90 seconds before I would get punched right in the face. Listen to this. They flip my hat first and then they bash me. So. You're watching cell phone video recorded just minutes after the attack of this New York City art gallery owner by more than a dozen teens. It left him covered in bruises. You see right there, blood vessels broken in his eye. It happened because he was wearing a Make America Great Again hat. He says he was walking down Canal towards West Broadway when a group of 15 to 20 people ambushed him, knocked his, his head into a pole. They would scream out anti-Trump, you know, Trump, this, you know, whatever, why are you wearing a hat? Can you imagine if they did that to a Biden supporter? Bad example. 
um, an Obama supporter. Where are the Biden supporters? Look, it would be a huge deal. That was local news. You can't basically wear a MAGA hat anywhere outside of a Trump rally. Really, you're not safe. Donald Trump, pledge allegiance to Donald Trump, pledge affection, pledge uh, admiration, pledge I'm going to vote for him. And you could be in very big trouble. That could trigger somebody you work with. That could make someone uncomfortable. The judge. I don't want anything bad to happen to this judge. Nobody does. But they're overhyping the phone calls, whatever she's receiving. And I don't know. I mean, is she? Look, there are crazy conservatives and there are crazy liberals. Remember this? So a maniac showed up at uh, Republican congressman baseball practice in northern Virginia. The guy who was doing the shooting, who I believe was killed by Capitol Police who were there, tweeted stuff like this. Trump is a traitor. Uh, I want Bernie to win the White House and so on. All right. See, here's the thing. I don't blame Bernie Sanders for this. Bernie Sanders doesn't advocate that stuff. Of course not. Bernie's not responsible and neither is Donald Trump responsible if some creep calls up the judge. You know, these are uncharted waters. This is a very controversial thing. And yeah, these phone calls are going to happen. It's almost inconceivable that they wouldn't happen for her, for what's her name, Fanny, you know, and, and, and join the club. Oh, by the way, join the club. Let's go through some people. I mean, quite frankly, we could do this for the rest of our lives. Dolly Parton, the beloved Dolly Parton. Who doesn't like Dolly Parton? Some maniac was very serious, called in death rash. She had a suspender tour. Let's see, who else? Madonna. Well, a lot of people don't like her. I happen to like her, especially her old stuff. Death threats, part of her life, actually. Uh, next, who's next on our list? President Reagan, 1982. I mean, <laughs> I think there were a lot more than just this one. Oh, and in 1981, John Hinckley shot him. Oh, and he's out of jail. Let's see. Can we do this more? Sylvester Stallone. Sly. Rocky. Who has a problem with him? Yeah. I mean, this is this happens and I don't like it, but it happens. It actually happened to me once. We don't want anything to happen to, ju to the judge, but don't be unfair and throw Donald Trump's supporters. Don't try to make us out to be something we're not. OK, please. Too much of that happening in the world. Who knows this guy? This is a great city, and I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. I do the boogaloo, a salsa. I'm a black man, that's the mayor. Every day in the police department, I kick those crackers' ass. Don't stand in front like you treated someone that's on the plantation that you own. One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have bamboo. Oh. <laughs> he was smoking pot with Stephen Colbert. Uh, as mayor, uh, he's the goofiest guy in the world. One of them. All right. He's the mayor of New York City. Now he's in Israel dancing. Um, he doesn't like to do his job. He likes to travel. He's not a serious person. While he's over there, 82 percent of New Yorkers in this very blue city say the influx of illegal migrants is serious. And this guy is totally in outer space. We're in serious trouble. Safe travels. And we'll be right back.
You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Over the time that he was in business, this is, again, something that people ought to pay attention to. Hunter Biden went to Georgetown University, went to Yale Law School, was on the board of directors of a bank, was on the board of directors of Amtrak, is somebody who went and worked in an international law firm. People seem to forget that this is not the person who's simply out there having people write checks for no reason. He's a capable, educated, experienced person. Actually, all the things he mentioned about uh, Hunter Biden's jobs, they're part of the problem. Sure, Hunter went to Georgetown and Yale, uh, but he also unfortunately became a drug addict. And sorry, but thousands of people graduate from Georgetown and Yale University over the years. You want to hire a Yale guy? No problem. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're bad. Uh, Ivy League degrees tend to be, well, whatever, you know. Um, so Hunter, Hunter's in trouble. We don't know how much. This could go either way at this point. The IRS whistleblowers were absolutely amazing and may have been pivotal in blowing up that phony plea arrangement they had going with the U.S. attorney. Um, our next guest wants to talk to more uh, people at the IRS. Congressman Ken Buck, the House Judiciary Committee. Welcome back, sir. Republican of Colorado. Thanks for being here. Um, what did you think of Abby Lowell's assessment of his client? I'm sorry, who did I think of who? Abby Lowell just said, look, Hunter Biden deserved all these jobs because he went to Yale Law School and he deserved to have that job at MBNA. He deserved to be a lawyer at Boys, Schiller, Flexner. Uh, people were paying him for his professionalism, not for his last name. Yeah, I think the bottom line is that uh, you get paid because you have uh, you bring value to a company. You don't bring value because of your degrees, you bring value because uh, you, you get things done, you help the company make money. Now, if he was making helping the company make money uh, because of his relationship with his dad, regardless of, of where he went to school, um, and he was selling the office of the vice president, that's a very serious offense. And uh, not only was he not paying taxes on it, but he was violating the, the Foreign Agent Registration uh, Act, and that's, that's another serious offense. You know, people in the swamp right now, the media, they're not on, uh, <laughs> they're on Hunter's side. I'd like to show you this. Chuck Todd, you've been on that show, I think. Uh, listen to how he summed up Hunter's uh, dealings. Listen to this. Look, it's pretty clear, you know, while we debate whether Hunter Biden broke the law or not, the influence peddling part with his last name was perfectly legal. <laughs> the influence peddling part with his last name, that's perfectly legal. Um, there are people pushing that in the swamp. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's he's insane, right? Well, there, there are certainly problems um, when you are representing a foreign country in this country and you're not registered. So that's illegal. Um, the influence peddling uh, is just slimy. Americans can't stand when family members are benefiting as a result of their parents being a, a vice president or president. Uh, or a sibling or, or anybody else. And so uh, there's a difference between sleazy and illegal. 
Um, clearly, what Hunter Biden was doing was sleazy. Uh, the special counsel will determine whether charges are warranted or not. And ultimately, a jury will determine whether there is a, a crime here. I feel like the phone call, you know, uh, Joe Biden calling into those business meetings to talk about the weather. Uh, there may be something there as far as illegality. I mean, they're very creative when they come up with charges against Donald Trump. What are you looking for, sir? What's next at the House Judiciary Committee? Well, there's a number of things next. Uh, we want to make sure that the uh, special counsel that uh, has just been appointed um, is is doing his job and is not um, uh, really subservient to the political appointees in the Department of Justice. That That is a huge issue, uh, making sure that the special counsel is independent and acting independently. Um, it, it would have been ideal to have appointed a special counsel a year ago on this matter or more. Um, but to try to get somebody else up to speed now is, is a huge issue. So uh, the uh, the um, idea that this uh, has been tainted in the past, uh, we're going to be talking to agents, uh, FBI agents, IRS agents, and uh, ask them whether their opinion at, at particular meetings were that the uh, the special counsel who was the U.S. attorney uh, at the time overseeing this case acted in, inappropriately. And the, the, the uh, special counsel is due to testify in Congress. He has agreed to come to testify. Hopefully he won't back out of that and we'll get his testimony as to the uh, propriety of this prosecution as it's been going forward. Sir, I have such respect for you um, and the work you've done in the technology sector and big tech censorship and sounding the alarm about that. Um, but I got to run this by you. I really believe it when Donald Trump says and others point out, you know, if the federal government can do what they're doing to somebody like Donald Trump or local prosecutors, it really I, I, I shudder what they could do to ordinary people like me. I don't work for the government. I, I, I don't. I, I, I think that this is an attempt to get at regular people. Ultimately, that's the goal. And certainly it's to affect the next election. This is an effort to take him out so we can't vote for him. Um, I'm deeply disturbed by what's happening in, in that regard. I, I, I I'm disturbed by a lot of what's happening. I'm, I'm disturbed that uh, I go all the way back to Hillary Clinton and the lack of prosecution with the email case that she was involved or the uh, classified documents case on her email server. Uh, that, that she was involved in. Um, I, I think that uh, a lot of what Donald Trump has been charged with involves speech. Uh, whether he's right or wrong about the election being stolen, he has the right uh, as president of the United States, as an American citizen, to voice his opinion. And, and that's really what the problem in, in my mind is with some of the indictments that have come out. They, they are clearly uh, charging speech. And uh, we're going to grapple in Congress, frankly, with the ability of a local prosecutor to prosecute a former president of the United States for the actions that he undertook while he was president or, or running for uh, that office. So I, I think those are very interesting cases, whether there'll be uh, an expansion of the removal statute, which allows a former president or vice president to remove a, a case from local court from a, a court in Atlanta or, or New York City to federal court, um, I think is going to be hotly debated in Congress. Or anybody else for that matter, right? You don't have to be a president to have a, a case removed from local court to federal court if there's, right? Well, 
you can certainly have a civil case removed. The, 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 really, the, the, the idea of a president is that he was acting in a role as a federal official. No, and I, uh, that I understand. That, but like Rudy Giuliani wants to have this removed from the state to the federal side, and he's not president. So, look, I know it's complex. You know who I'm rooting for. Uh, I think the whole damn thing is a disgrace, what they're doing to him. But Congressman Ken Buck, we value your expertise and insight so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And good luck on this Hunter stuff. We'll be right back. There's Tucker Carlson back when he worked for Fox News. Seems like a million years ago, doesn't it? The uh, just a few months. Maybe it's because, well, he's kicking it on Twitter. Uh, not exactly sure how it works on Twitter, but it seems to be working. He's getting all kinds of views. Uh, his influence stronger than ever. Uh, the new book you really should check out. I just got it. It's called Tucker Biography about Tucker Carlson by our next guest, Chadwick Moore. He is the author of Tucker. He's a contributing editor at The uh, Spectator. Chadwick Moore, uh, the, the, the timeliness of this book, just perfect. Welcome to Newsmax. Hey, great to be with you, Greg. How's it going? Terrific. Hey, just real quick, um, you know, I, I hear media journalists go back and forth on this one. Is Fox suffering without uh, Tucker right now? Did they take a big hit or is that uh, fake news? I can tell you morale at Fox is terrible. Uh, and in these upcoming debates tomorrow night are not helping. Nobody's very excited about it. Everyone's sort of in the dumps. Morale's been very, very bad ever since uh, April 24th, which is when his show was taken off the air, almost four months to the day as we're speaking. So that's not good. Um, his entire former team is gone. The ratings have not recovered. You know, it used to be that of the top nine shows on cable news, Fox had eight of them. Now they're battling with other networks. They're losing their grip. So there were millions of people who were tuning in to Tucker Carlson's show just for him, and they were sort of propping up the entire primetime lineup. It's now very obvious. And I don't think that those people are coming back to the network. I think they had a final straw with this. And regarding that debate, uh, you know, it doesn't. What do you think of the move? They don't want any Trump representatives in the spin room. Uh, the spin room is kind of where, look, I saw the naked cowboy in a spin room once. <laughs> they have all <laughs> kinds of characters in that spin room. They're going to be talking about Donald Trump all night long, yet they won't let any Trump surrogates in there. What does that say about Fox culture? Well, it, it says what everyone knows. They were against the man in 2016. They remained against him. And, and, you know, Tucker Carlson was taken off the air for ideological reasons. I think it's almost uh, inarguable at this point. And uh, they don't like, you know, Paul Ryan, who's on the board of Fox News, has said publicly on television he would vote for anyone for president who doesn't have the name Trump. So it's no secret that this network does not like Trump. It's a little pathetic and insulting. I think that they went to Bedminster, a bunch of executives, and tried to convince him to do this debate. I also heard that the hosts of the debate were also calling Trump this week to try to get him to join when he knows that it's a setup. He knows that he would be called in, number one, just to be used for ratings, and number two, just so he got all these people on stage taking shots at him in order to prop up maybe another candidate that Fox News does like. Uh, you know, I would love to see Trump debate. Uh, I think it's a good sportsmanship. But, you know, I don't blame him for not uh, using this outlet and debating on that network. I'm looking forward to your book, and I'm curious about, uh, and I have been for a while, Tucker running for president someday himself. Uh, way before, uh, two years ago, people were really talking about that. I don't think it's gone away. Is that possible? You spent a lot of time with him, I presume. Do you think that's possible? 
Yeah, you know, I got to know Tucker really well in the last year and a half. I was working on this book, and I really got to know the man, who he is, what makes him tick. You know, I really wanted to tell the human story, and it's kind of an emotional story when you read this book. Uh, if you get into his childhood and, and his upbringing. And uh, I would say, for me, I don't think there's a chance he'll run. I don't think he has that gene. I firstly think he would never want to put his family through that kind of scrutiny. Right. His family is the most important thing in the world to him. And I just don't think he really thinks he sh wants to lead in that way. You know, I think he uh, appreciates his position as a professional observer and storyteller. Well, we'll see. I, uh, Chadwick Moore is such an important contribution, and we'll see what happens next with uh, Tucker. Chadwick Moore, the book is Tucker, available wherever books are sold. Thank you very much.